When Jonathan called me about speaking tonight, I didn't know what in the world I was going to speak about. It was noon when he called me. <laughs> he gets in a big hurry when he wants somebody to speak. <laughs> Gives me plenty of time. But I, I was thinking, what will I speak about? Then I got to searching the scriptures and praying about it. When he came to me, I'll just talk about myself. Prodigal son. <laughs> and that's what I want to talk to you about tonight, the prodigal son. The scriptures in the 15th chapter of Luke, if you'd like to turn there. It, uh, Jesus is telling this parable, and the chapter preceding that, he, he, he tells three parables. And one was about the sheep, the lost sheep. Remember that? This is a man had 100 sheep and he lost one. He'd secure the other 99 and go look for the one that was lost. And hunt it until he found it and bring it back. And then the second one he told was about the lost coin. The coin, this woman lost the coin and she searched everywhere for it and she found it. She celebrated, had all her friends come in and celebrate that the coin was lost, was found. This next one he told was about a young man that uh, was very selfish and, and uh, demanding in his ways. And We'll start reading the scripture and then we'll just take it one at a time. He said, a certain man had two sons. The younger son of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that falls to me, and he, and he divided his wealth between them. Now in this culture at that time, it was unheard of for a child to ask the father to divide the estate before their death. It was terrible, really, because what he was saying was, I wish you were dead so I could get the estate. And he really ran a risk there asking his father because his father could have taken punishment toward him. But you can see this father didn't apparently wait a minute. He, he did what he asked. And the estate, uh, back then the older son received more from the father than the younger. And so the younger son would have got two-thirds and this boy would only get a third. Now I don't know what a third would amount to, but apparently this father was fairly rich, but he had slaves and different things. But he said that uh, he just went ahead and divided it. Yeah. You think, did he not argue with him about it? Now son, you need to think about this before we do this. Doesn't say, but he did it, didn't But he said, the younger of them said to his father, uh, I'm sorry, and not many days later, the younger son gathered everything he owned and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. I looked up the word prod prodigal, can I say prodigal? <laughs> prodigal, and uh, that's a hard word to say for somebody like me. And he said, it's reckless living, selfish, careless living. That's what the word means. So apparently, when he got away from home, he lived it up. And I'd say with his funds, he had lots of friends. Usually you can get friends, you've got money to spend on them. And I'd say he did that. He probably bought them drinks and, and uh, really lived it up. And said that when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in the country, and he began to be in need. Not uncommon in this, those days that famines hit. And just this evidently was a severe famine. And everybody was in, in need. 
and said he went and attached himself to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into the field to feed swine. Boy, that was bad for him, wasn't it? The pride that they had, they didn't want anything to do with hogs. They wouldn't eat hog meat for anything. They looked at it as very filthy and dirty. And you can imagine him lowering himself to feed the swine, to be a caretaker of the swine. And he was longing to fill his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. I don't know what these pods were, some kind of vegetation, but uh, they fed those to the hogs, so apparently it wasn't good for human consumption because they gave them to the hogs, so that's what he was doing, out there feeding them. He said, then when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. Notice what it said when he came to his senses. Had he been insane? He'd been blinded with the sights of the world, the wealth that he had, the good times he was having. He just didn't make sense. He didn't think of tomorrow. Think of now. But suddenly it's come to him. I'm in a fix. I'm in trouble. He says, I will get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. Now he's going to go back to his father. That's really taking him low, isn't it? To have to go back to his father after he was all ready to go and got his estate. Going, on my own, I don't need this place anymore. I'm on my own. Now he's going to go back to his father. And he says, I am no longer worthy. He's going to say it to his father. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired men. Now he's humble, isn't he? He's going back before his father has anything to say to him. He's going to say, I want, I want to just be one of your hired men, Dad. I don't want to be even your son anymore. I'm not worthy to be your son. Just make me one of your slaves. That's what he was saying because the hired men were slaves. So he's got it all figured out what he's going to say. And he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. My goodness. Don't you think that's father every day? Looked out. Looked. See if he could see him coming. I think maybe he did that more than one time a day, looking for that son, because he had no idea where he was. He thought he may never see him again when he left home. Wasn't any assurance that he'd ever see him again. But he said he met him, and looks like he said, oh, what are you doing back here? What have I got to do with you? You left here, you didn't want to be here. Why are you here? I don't have anything to do for you or anything for you. You think that's what he might have said? It's probably what I'd have said. <laughs> no, I don't know if I would have, no. But he said, and his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. He said that word heaven is a reference to God. He sinned against God and in his sight. He said, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. A lot of repentance there, and he's really repentant. I'm not worthy, he says, to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. 
And they said, uh, one commentary said this robe was probably his father's robe. Probably one of the best robes he had. Brought it out to him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And the ring might have been like a signet type ring that he used in his legal dealings. That would be authority for him. He's given him authority as his son. And then he said, bring sandals on his feet. The slaves didn't wear sandals. So he was going to not uh, treat him like a slave, but treat him like a son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe. Paul just read that. And bring the fattened calf. Kill it and let us eat and be merry. Now they're going to have a feast. Uh, I can imagine they had this calf. A lot of times they'd keep it up and feed it for special occasions. And that's what this was for. A special occasion. And he used it for this occasion. To kill it and we'll be married. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and now he's found. Can you see the joy in that father from what he said? Joyful. My son was lost. Well, he probably thought he was even dead. Really, hadn't seen him. But the joy was on his face. Now his older son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. I bet that was an unusual thing. It had come in from the field, from a hard day's work, and people partying there. He hears all this and sees this, and he's, he's just astounded. What is all this going on? What is this going on here? And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things might be. He said, what, what's going on here? It's all this music and partying. And the one he asked said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatty calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Oh my. Bad news for the brother. He doesn't like this. He became angry and was not willing to go on in, into his father's house. His father came out and began entreating him. Now his father could see there was a problem. He could tell his, by his countenance he wasn't happy about this. So he's, he came out and he's talking to him about it. Now son, come on in. Your brother's been gone and we thought he was dead and he's back here to, in our home. Please come on in. Let's, let's make merry, let's celebrate. But he answered and said to his father, look, for so many years I have been serving you and I have never neglected the command of yours and yet you have never given me a kid, uh, that's a goat, that I might be merry with my friends. Did he have a case? Did he have a right to be made? That's right. He didn't lose anything. He still had the two thirds if, uh, if his father died. He and had to be supporting him and taking care of him or paying him or something the whole time he was there. Oh, yeah. So it's not like he was do, you know, doing for free or having to provide for himself. That's right. What you <clears throat> his father was taking care of him, though he was working. And they had food there and took care of him, had a place to live. So he really wasn't lacking in anything. But he's taken an attitude that uh, you've never done anything for me. Now look what you're doing for this long lost brother that's gone out and 
squandered everything. He became angry and was not willing to come in. But he answered and said to his father, Look, four years I've served you. But when his son, of, this son of yours, not very polite, is it? This son of yours, who came in, who has devoured your wealth with harlots, you killed a fatty calf for him. He said, This son of yours, not my brother, <laughs> don't want anything to do with him. He squandered all the money you gave him on harlots and wasted every way he could. And when he comes home, you're so glad and you celebrate with him. So. And he said to him, my child, you have always been with me and all that is mine is yours. So that's what we said a while ago. He said, you've always been with me, son. And everything I have is yours. When I'm gone, it's yours. And, but that didn't satisfy the, the brother. But we had to be merry and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. He said, we must celebrate. It's just the right thing to do. We've got to celebrate for your brother. <clears throat> I read one commentary that said that uh, this brother's attitude was similar to the Pharisee's attitude. Kind of depicted them, their attitude toward Jesus. So Jesus telling these three parables to the Pharisees and making points with them. And they're beginning to get all this. See? They, didn't, uh, they weren't happy to start with and you know they're not happy now. But the lost son is symbolic to, uh, today. We've got, have you ever, you ever felt like the prodigal son in your life? Have you ever been a prodigal son? Yeah, I have. It's a hard way back sometimes. But when you get back, it's a wonderful experience when you repent of your sins and ask the Lord to restore you. And you know the Lord does that? Forgiveness and restoration. I used to hear a man say, well, I'll forgive them, but I am not going to forget it. Is that forgiveness? No. True forgiveness is re with restoration. You restore the person to the very status they had before they offended you or you got mad. That's tough, but that's true forgiveness. And the brother wasn't ready to do that. And we don't know if he ever did that. I hope that he did. But the father was in a predicament, the two sons, and you can imagine how he felt about his son that was lost found, but the other one, he's trying to deal with that too. I think that uh, the picture here is a beautiful picture of the prodigal son. Gone and wayward and then promising nothing came back to the Lord or back, back to his father and his father in open arms and welcomed him back for him. You know, that's the picture of the Lord Jesus, isn't it? We tell people about the Lord and his forgiveness. And I, there used to be a man here in town that I witnessed him and he'd say, <clears throat> no, I've been too mean. God would never forgive me for all I've done. He wouldn't forgive me. And I kept saying, yes, he will. There's no sin that God won't forgive. Oh, he said, I've been too mean. He won't do that. But that's the devil telling him he wouldn't. God will forgive. 
says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We'll turn anybody away. It's wonderful to be saved in, in back, back home. We're all, we were all away from home one time, prodigals, in different senses, of course. But we were all away. But when we came back, Christ welcomed us, gave us a home. Isn't that wonderful? Beautiful. It really is. I appreciate you sticking with me tonight. Anybody got anything to add? Don't take away anything, but just add if you want to. I think this speaks a lot of how a lot of folks are today are older children who think that they're owed. And I think that's the way that the son would stay with the father, views everything, that he has owed it. He didn't earn it or anything, but he's owed it because he's the son. And so many people today in their 20s, 30s, and 40s even, think that the parents should be preparing for what they're going to give them instead of rejoicing that they've got their parents and their parents should be spending every dime and living the best life that they can live. Yeah. Everybody thinks they're something. <clears throat> that's what I think about when I think about the other son is the way it is in the world today. Yeah. It's true. A lot of the younger people they think that everything's owed to them. We're entitled to this. Anybody else, Bob? Many times we grieved about a loss. Over and over we grieved, and they finally accepted the Lord. We did the same thing. Yeah. We wanted to rejoice, thank the Lord for what He did. It's true. Yeah. You think of how many mothers through the years have prayed night and day for a son, wayward son, in years maybe. And then they come to the Lord. What a rejoicing time that is for that mother. It happened to my grandmother, and two of she didn't know they were saved, but they were saved after she died. Yeah, two of Linda's grandmother's boys. She prayed for them for years and years. Never saw them saved, but both of them were saved after she died. So we don't know what's going to happen until we get to heaven, then we'll know when we get there, I guess. Anybody else want to? Hey, Harold? Just no matter how, what lessons, what's the lesson we get from this tonight? Harold, what, what's the lesson that speaks to us? Are you going to tell me you want me to tell you? <laughs> Anybody want to add what Harold said? What's one lesson we get from this? One thing that's heartbreaking is the young people today that are raised in a Christian home where they're loved and fed and they get school and those kids as they grow up are partying and drinking and using drugs and that looks enticing. The devil draws them away from what was protection. Uh, you know they had the love of their family and protection. And it draws so many of them away and that's so heartbreaking. And I think it's happening more and more and more. Yeah. <clears throat> well it's one thing I said a while ago about the man that said he'd been too mean. Nobody's mean, too mean to be saved. God's mercy. This shows that God's mercy is in forever. It's extended to everybody. I wonder how low he got here. And destitute. He came back to the Father and he accepted you. And I think it's a blessing that the Lord loves us no matter what we've been, what we've done, what's going on. God still loves us. Yeah. It's 
true. We don't get too low that we can come back. If we'll surrender, come back in a surrender. At Father. Yeah, that's true. That's a good lesson when you think of that, the prodigal son. So much in that about God's mercy and love and forgiveness. Unconditional love, mercy beyond understanding, and forgiveness. You just said unconditional. Yeah. Unconditional is the word. Yeah. Yeah, because he said when you go have to prove your love, you may say you're going to have to do this, you didn't. No. He didn't put any stipulations on it. Yeah. I think it's a blessing for us also. <clears throat> Yeah, that's good. Instead of saying he had it coming, I've heard somebody say he had it coming. It's good. He's deserving what he got. Hey, if we all got deserving what we got, we'd be in trouble. We hmm. Yeah. We we want mercy, not justice. It's true. It's true. Anybody else have anything to add? I appreciate y'all doing this. Some of you may remember L.E. Eisen. There was two brothers. They called L.E. He was a big man. And he had a brother who was short, and they called him Little Eisen. Big, big Eisen, Little Eisen. They worked on the railroad. And Big Eisen retired. He lived over on George Avenue, I think. Well, Dan Rayburn worked with him when he was down there. And Dan called me one day and said, Dennis, I'm worried about Big Eisen. I said, Oh, what's wrong? Is he sick? He said, no, no, he's not sick. He said he's not saved. And he said, I've been praying for him and concerned about him. He said, it's been on my mind for days. He said, would you go with me to talk to him? I said, yeah, I'll go. So we met and prayed and went over to his house. I knew him, but Dan knew him better than I did. So he invited us in. His wife was there and she spoke to us and said, she went on in the kitchen. We sat down there and he said, what? What's you boys got on your mind today? <laughs> and I, uh, Dan said, he called him Biggin. He said, Biggin, I'm just going to tell you, I've been concerned about you because I, did, I don't believe you're a Christian, are you? He said, no, no, I'm not. And he said, well, I'm concerned about you. He said, I'd like to see you be saved. He said, would you let us talk to you? He said, yeah. So he told me, and I started witnessing to him. Got down to the point of, would he accept the Lord? And he was sitting in a big rocking chair. And I said, uh, you understand everything I've said to you? And, yeah, yeah. I said, well, will you act on that? And would you ask the Lord to save you, forgive you your sins, and come into your heart and save you? And he just stared at the floor. And Dan said, Biggin, 
The reason I came over here is because I love you. Boy, just like that, he said, yes, I'll be saved. And I said, now, I thought about this later. I said, okay, let's just get out on our knees here on the floor. And he barely made it on his knees. I didn't realize I shouldn't have, I didn't know at the time. But he got down there and we helped him up. But he was saved there. He had to pray a prayer and ask God to save him. And his wife came out of that kitchen. And I can't tell you. She was just almost screaming. She said, I have prayed for him over 50 years for him to be saved. And she said, I'd gotten to the point that I thought, it's just not going to happen. And she was a member of First Baptist over here. And they called me and told me the Sunday he was going to be baptized. And two of his sisters from Corbin, Kentucky, came down. And uh, when they baptized him, he came up out of the water and he just waved everybody. And I've thought of that through the years. But Dan had a burden. He was a friend of his. And he was afraid he was going to die lost. And he wanted to do something about it. But I think all I said and did over there, the thing that really melted him is when Dan told him he loved him. I think that did it. Any, any others? Any other thing you might want to say? You give up? <laughs> no, no. no, never give up. That's right. We've seen that a lot here in this church. Yeah, a couple of people I've witnessed to for years finally saved. In their 80s. One was 82 and the other was 86. So you don't have to give up.